0: And I'm walking down the floor, and I hear this noise. I don't. I don't even know how to describe it. It sounds like a cow.
1: Oh, that's and labor. in
0: labor. In labor. I don't know what it was like.
2: orange whether you're a doctor nurse therapist or tech assistant or admin we've got you covered for the next 30 minutes spilling the dirt on all things healthcare I'm Allie and I'm Paige and we're your hosts today to lead you
1: through this fun and exciting time of healthcare discovery and talking about um, some interesting things maybe some awkward things and introducing you to some wonderful people that we know.
2: This week on the show, our guests are Gina and Jeff Gang, who happen to be a very awesome rad couple, Um, and they together have done some unique research that they're going to be talking to us about, but also individually have experienced a lot in life. So we are excited to speak to them um, for this episode. Gina and Jeff, welcome to Code Orange. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Nice to be with you.
2: Perfect. So we thought we would start off with a current event um, before we welcome you formally. Uh, So we'd like to start with a bit of news from healthcare world and always something that leaves us scratching our heads uh, just a bit. So for this topic of discussion, Paige, what are we talking about today?
1: Well, we just can't seem to get rid of COVID. So in the news lately is that... COVID numbers are kind of on the rise, Um, and LA County, which is about an hour from us here in San Bernardino County, is the first county, I think, in the country to be reinstating indoor mask-wearing policy, regardless of your vaccination status. And to me, it's, I, I love living so close to LA County, where it's like, We're the leaders and not the followers, and and I kind of love that. And so I'm kind of all for it. I mean, if we need to put masks back on and get this back under control until, you know, more than half of our population is vaccinated, that's what we need to do. Let's just come on. (laughs) Where do you guys
2: fall on that topic? What are your thoughts?
3: Well, I know I agreeing with you Paige, and the fact that um i feel like hey that's a small price to pay for Mm -hmm. me to wear a mask in order to protect other people for our children who don't have the opportunity to get vaccinated yet and um, it's not just about me it's about other people in our community that can't get vaccinated also Mm -hmm. um, for other medical reasons Um, i feel like yes it's discomfort to Mm -hmm. go to the grocery store with my mask on, but I'm happy to participate in order to protect other people.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I I don't, it just, it just ceases to amaze me Mm -hmm. why so many people are refusing to be vaccinated. I I just can't get my mind around it. And I've heard all the reasons and, to me personally, they just don't make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you just dig a little deep and are willing to do some research and, yeah. um, I, I, and it's, it, it I agree with, with, with Gina. I mean, it seems to me like it's the least that I can do. Right. You know, it's not about me.
2: Right. Right.
0: Um, and and it's it's a it's it's I think about previous generations yeah. and the things that people have gone through. Right. You know, we think of the our my grandfather, my grandparents' generation, the World War II generation, yep. your great grandparents' generation. Yeah. You know, look at all they went through. I mean, people people were not in the front lines fighting the war, but mm-hmm. at home they were making incredible sacrifices. Families right. were were making sacrifices with their own children. Yeah. They were refusing. They were. They. They were. Um, living simply i mean there's all kinds of things and this is this is our generation's battle right and this is the Mm. very least that we can do so i just cannot it it just ceases to amaze me that's i I don't understand it
2: that's a good point historically it is kind of the least we can do and some things i've seen too that are pretty frightening is going to a grocery store and yeah right now there's not a mandate but the elderly are not wearing masks and that's where i think it should at least be mandated to protect them, and we should get vaccinations to protect them. And yeah, if you and I got it, we probably would survive or have minimal complications. But it's really the at-risk population. Mm-hmm. Maybe they still need to be wearing masks, or maybe we just all do it so that we're all in it together. And yeah. like you said, it's the least we can do. So,
0: but isn't it? I mean, it seems to me as it, just what i have seen is that it, it appears that this kind of new round seems to be happening with younger, yeah, yeah, exactly uh, group. You know, yeah. more, younger population. The Delta variant. I mean, yeah. yeah.
1: But the vaccinations offer lots of protection against, against it. it and because kids under 12 can't get it, they're, mm-hmm. you know, frequently the spreaders of it, the asymptomatic spreaders. And yeah. so like, let's just put our masks back on and yeah. let's, let's just keep going. I personally
2: still wear a mask when I go out. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah, I know yeah. I, I'm conflicted often yeah. and sometimes I do, and I'm back and forth and, right. and, and, and uh,
2: and then people look at you
3: like, you must not be
2: vaccinated.
3: That's yeah. <laughs> true. You're like, I want to prove that I've been vaccinated right. by not wearing my mask. Yes. But at the same time, it I might don't. be the right thing to do is to right. wear
1: it. Yeah. And yeah. I don't trust any of the rest of you that right. are to be telling
0: the right. truth. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know how, mu- how much either of you have had an opportunity to travel over this past year. Or so, yeah, um, yeah. you know, we we had did a few times, and yeah. we just got back from a part of the country I won't identify, but but it was quite a it was quite an experience going there compared oh, really? to being it's in California. Us
1: <laughs> too. We have really? visited that region as well, and I thought it was frightening. Yeah, yeah. And because and Granny's buffet was back open <laughs> last July, and the parking lot was packed, yeah. and I was like, what? Are you doing? Yeah. 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 So
2: anywho, <laughs> I think we all want it to go away and pretend it didn't happen, but it's not the reality yet. Yeah. So, yeah. So then we'll move on to our uh, Code Orange moment. Obviously that's the title of our show. So today on Cord, uh, um Code Orange, we welcome you guys to share with us a Code Orange moment. So in the hospital or healthcare facilities, code orange is often called when there's some kind of chemical spill, major cleanup, uh, internal or external disaster, and anyone who's ever worked in healthcare or been in the healthcare system as a patient may have had um, a situation that was potentially exceptionally messy, dangerous, Awkward. awkward, hazardous, so... I'm sure between both of you, you guys may have many. But do you guys have a code orange moment you'd like to share with us?
0: Well, I'm not in healthcare right. technically. Um, I teach in a healthcare institution, but mm-hmm. I'm not in healthcare. But I've, been, I've marri- been married to a healthcare work provider, <laughs> and I have heard for 28 years. Yes, right. Yes, 28 years is this past. Happy weekend.
2: anniversary! Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs>
0: Uh, and I have enjoyed hearing numerous code orange <laughs> stories over the years, always done appropriately. You right, know, right. Anonymous, of yeah, course, with HIPAA, uh, yes, non-HIPAA HIPAA, yeah, violations. Mm-hmm, exactly. Right. Uh, but you know, I, you know, there's one that comes in my mind that's very personal that I experienced personally with two family members at the same exact time. Oh man! I very, I, I bet there's very few people that have a, COVID yes. a story like this. So
2: and it involves so both of you. It
0: does. Ooh. It <laughs> involves both of us, and it involves my mother. Oh my! And involves the mother-in-law from Gina's perspective. <laughs> so what happened was we were pregnant with our second child, Braden, yeah. our son Brayden,
2: uh-huh.
0: uh, who's now about to turn 20 years old this Friday. Oh. And Mm-hmm. And we had invited my, we were living down in Florida <laughs> at the time. My mother was in New Jersey, where, where I grew up, and she, we invited her to come down and help us out with our, our, our three-year-old daughter, Madison, at the time, our firstborn. How While nice. We into, and Madison and Gina right. went into labor. <laughs> so she came down, and, and she was there with us for a few days, and Gina worked right up until the last possible moment. I mean, ready I to- I believe it. it yeah, yeah, knowing was amazing. her. Yes. And I believe was, it. She was also <laughs> still running, probably. Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs>
2: probably a marathon.
0: Exactly. Oh,
2: wait. She did do that. She did do that with
0: number three, ran a marathon with number three, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, so on the day she came home from work, my mother started telling us she wasn't feeling well, (laughs) which was a little suspicious. And um, little did we know that that night, we did not go to the hospital for Gina, Uh going in labor, We went to the hospital, of the ER, taking my mother in, and uh, come to find out, she had a, a... diverticulitis, oh. and also had appendicitis at the oh, same time.
3: Yes, uh, So they oh. rushed
0: her into emergency surgery, no. all the while I'm rushing Gina no. into labor no. and delivery. Oh. And I am uh, I am running, fortunately we were in the same oh. hospital.
3: Did the stress <laughs> of that put you into labor do you think, Gina? <laughs> no, I don't think so. But we had to call a friend and say, hey, can you come over yeah. and watch our... Or what time
2: of the day was this?
3: This was at night. And, then, of course. High, yeah. and she ended up having a colectomy. Um, a partial colectomy and a removal of her <laughs> appendix. Yeah. At the same time I was in labor with her uh, second so child. So Gina
0: was in in labor and delivery like on the on on the lower floor yeah. and I'm like running up and down. I'm running to you know, to surgery to see her when she's coming out of, you know, surgery and then I'm running upstairs to check on her. And I will never forget when I got the message that she was um she had come out of surgery, yeah. and she she was in her room on her room for, and I remember going up there to the floor, and I'm walking down the floor, and I hear this noise. I don't I don't even know how to describe it. It sounds like a cow, oh, that's in labor in, in labor. I don't know what it was like, and and I'm suffering. And yes, the hor- and I'm walking. Down, I'm like, what is that poor person? Go- you know what is going on? And I walk down, and I'm trying to find. My, and it's and I come in, and it's my mother. <laughs> And she is laid back with her mouth gaping open, out cold, snoring. The loudest snore I've ever heard in my life. And it was traumatizing, to say the least. I I was traumatized. And so... um, yeah, that, that, uh, I think I had some PTSD for quite a while
2: after that. Did you tell her?
1: Does she know to this day?
0: I think, um,
1: or will she find out after this episode?
0: This is what infuriated me. I love my mother. <laughs> but she is a she's a former nurse okay oh. and she had a particular idea in her mind of what <laughs> of what it was like to be in a hospital oh. you know and it things had changed since she had been nursing. so she was she came out, she was expecting a bed bath oh. and she was angry no she was being,
3: not expecting a bed bath she was expecting a massage, oh, she, massage. She yes. a massage she wanted a massage <laughs> where are my hot fomentations and my oh. massage yeah. so she was mad about that yeah. and I didn't even know that was a thing yeah Why? can we bring, we bring that back? back that's what nurses used to do let's bring it back and, uh, oh I, man I just,
0: and, and just was
1: there's not time for and that I knew a
0: lot, we knew a lot of people in the community and in the hospital and I was I was mortified oh. I was so embarrassed <laughs> and um, I bet yeah nothing
2: you know, embarrasses you quite like your mom <laughs> yeah. totally nothing
3: well, to their credit, the hospital did <laughs> abide by one wish she wanted, and she wanted to come see the baby. Oh, so I they did ask, yeah. wheel her down in a wheelchair to come <laughs> hold him when he well, was, she woke you know, up. I don't know, 24 hours old. Um, but the hardest part then, that was the hardest part for Jeff, the, the traumatizing <laughs> <Yeah>. snoring. <laughs> But for me, the hard part was when we got home, shortly after I got home, she was discharged from the hospital and we didn't have a guest room. So, and she had this abdominal surgery. Oh. So she took our room and Jeff and I ended up on the floor on an oh, air shit. mattress with a brand oh. new baby. Um, oh. so that was a little stressful, but you know, we made it through and it was a good, uh, oh, growing experience. Good bonding. We can laugh oh, yes. about it now. Oh, there were tears bad. at the time. Oh, yes. I'm sure. Oh.
2: Was that hard splitting your time and energy between the two to take care of them?
0: Let's just say <laughs> it was an opportunity for growth and maturing.
2: I love I that. Hope
0: it, I hope that I handled it well at the time. I, th- you know, looking back, I think I did. But yeah, oh I, love, my, I love my love my mom. Oh. I love my wife. But as we all know, as we make Oof. that next step in life, we get married. That yes. your wife becomes more important than. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh
3: yeah. You know, it's, I just know. Like, yeah. it's hard. It is. Especially it is. in that moment. Yeah. But, yeah.
2: Man, oh, that hard. <laughs> wow. Code orange. Yeah. Code orange Code orange. <laughs> Multiple floors
3: of the hospital. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys got through that. Thanks for sharing that with us. <laughs> So um, on a more serious note, I'm going to introduce you both because I think you're both exceptional people and we're very lucky to have you here today. So um, I'll go ahead and start with you, Gina. You are currently enrolled at USC to get your EDD, your Doctorate of Education and Organizational Leadership. You also are a professor at Loma University teaching in the Doctorate of Physical Therapy. You've been doing that for about three years full time. Seven years altogether, which seems like that went fast. Yes, it has. Yeah. And they're so lucky to have you. I hope they know that. <laughs> that and, sure. and 25 years as a physical therapist.
3: Yes. And still working one or two days <clears throat> a month at the hospital. So right. trying to still maintain some patient care while I'm teaching, because I think that makes me a better teacher.
2: It totally yeah. does. So you're teaching, you're a student, and you work in the hospital still. So Correct. And you have three kids. You've been married 28 years. Yeah. And you're here with us today. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to talk about some stuff that you've also spent a lot of time on um, with your wonderful husband, Jeff, who has his doctorate of ministry um, from Fuller Theologic Seminary of Pasadena. He's a 20 year pastor and he has been teaching full time also at Loma Linda University um, in the School of Religion at full time for the past five years. What a cool
3: duo you guys are. <laughs> well, what's really cool is when we teach the same students because yes. that happens yeah. sometimes. Oh, that's wow. true, right? And mm-hmm. so there is a quarter coming up where I'm teaching and he's teaching the same students at the same time, mm-hmm. not at the same time, but yeah. in the same quarter. And they can't tell us apart when they say Dr. Gang, so they say Dr. Mrs. Gang or Dr. <laughs> Mr. Gang because they don't know who they're talking about. <laughs> so that's,
0: that's awesome. always kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. Right. It is fun to teach the same wow. students. And, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's quite an honor to get to do that.
2: Right, so you get to teach multiple programs. I do. So you get to teach like PT and...
0: Yeah, there's eight schools at Loma Linda mm-hmm. and I including ours in the school of religion and I teach in all of those schools at oh, some cool. capacity. I was mostly in school of medicine and school of dentistry and then school okay. of allied health and, yeah. and nursing. Yeah. But um but yeah, so we we the the, the doctor physical therapy students are are wonderful to teach. Uh, and uh, they're one of they're some of You're my just favorite that. teachers. Mm-hmm. I mean, students, not teachers. I mean, yeah, they're some of my favorites. I, yeah. I, yeah, I'm a little... And, I'm a, and I am a bit biased, obviously, yeah. being married to a physical therapist right. who teaches in the program.
2: Physical yeah. therapists are just
1: really cool people. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Coming from the physical therapist, but, but,
0: but also, I, yeah. And I will also say, in Page's event, I like nurses teaching nursing students, too. Yeah,
1: nurses I just, are really I nice, just had too. The, I Let's did. throw I just them had a, here. I had
0: nursing students, some first-year nursing students this past quarter, spring quarter. Yeah. And they, and I, and you know, it was, I taught them in this pen during the, all by Zoom.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh,
0: In the, you know, as we've been doing. And they were amazing. I just, I just love them. They were phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. but
2: That's cool. It's probably so interesting to go through school right now. Most of your guys' classes have been on Zoom.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We've learned a lot. Mm -hmm. And. The cool thing is that even with the stress of changing quickly to online, Mm -hmm. we've learned some things that I think would have taken us years to learn and actually try to experiment with. Mm -hmm. And now we're like, hey, we're going to keep some of these things because there's some really good stuff. So right now we're flipping some classrooms where Mm -hmm. we'll still do recorded lectures, but Mm -hmm. now our face-to-face contact with the students will be applying the Mm. information versus doing lecture. Mm. So it's actually better learning environment for students and the research supports that. So we're making some changes in that area as well. So it can be a good thing too, to have some stress from the COVID changes.
1: the two of you are working on some big, gigantic project together, aren't you?
2: Doing some co-research.
0: Well, that's nice page that you would call it a, a gigantic project.
1: I don't I, know the official <laughs> name for it, and so I was hoping you could clue us in. I don't know. What are you doing? What are you up Go to, you yeah, guys? What,
3: what we well, I can, sh- I can share with you maybe sort of how things started. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was just a contract instructor helping out in some of our classes in the DPT program, I was teaching acute orthopedics and trying to hmm. tell students and demonstrate to students the value of understanding their patient's story. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, I could teach them all these skills about how to, you know, mobilize a total knee patient, how to, you know, do this range of motion and how to transfer a patient. But until they grasp the meaning of the individual story, mm-hmm and how to connect with patients, I really feel like I'm missing such a major part mm-hmm. of what physical therapy and what healthcare is. And so I actually just kind of researched um, online and this term therapeutic alliance came mm-hmm. up and I mm-hmm. thought, hmm, I've never heard that before. And basically it, it comes from psychotherapy and mm-hmm. Freud um, and then Borden, I think in the 1970s, kind of started applying it and suggested that mm-hmm. we apply that term therapeutic alliance to other healthcare professions. And so Mm -hmm. that's what has slowly transpired over the last few decades. And Therapeutic Alliance is your, it's pretty much everything except for the medical component of your patient care. It's your connection, Mm -hmm. it's your collaboration, your rapport, your Mm -hmm. empathy with your patient. Mm -hmm. And so finding that term Mm -hmm. um, kind of gave me, this is like a foundational theory that we can start talking to our students about. And so Mm In the last few years, we did some research with our students in an acute care lab and said, can we actually teach our students these techniques? And so that's basically what we researched uh, a couple years ago. Wow. And that research was actually just published in the Journal of Physical Therapy Education this whoop, last whoop. month in June. Wow. Big thing. So, yeah, I'll we'll link so, it here. So, it's so <laughs> kind of exciting. Um, but, you know, when I think about how I introduce it to students, um, I shared two experiences that my dad had in healthcare uh-huh. One, he, he he's very fair-skinned with blue eyes and he's had a lot of skin cancer on his mm-hmm. back and he mm-hmm. went to the dermatologist and the nurse came in and was getting him all situated before the doctor came in. and she said, "Oh go, j- go ahead and take your shirt off." and she was behind him and he took his shirt off and she yelled, "Oh my God!" <sighs> oh. And that was so obviously as a patient, what, what do you, I mean, you don't see your back, so you don't know what your back looks like. Mm -hmm. And so you can imagine how that made my dad feel. And then I contrast that with an experience that he had when he had uh, a a torn retina um, Mm -hmm. years ago and had to go in for eye surgery. And he said he was shaking because he was so nervous, worried he was going to lose his eyesight and Mm -hmm. his leg just would not stop shaking. Mm -hmm. And the pre-op nurse came up and put her hand on his hand and said, you're going to be just fine. We're going to take good care of you and made these reassuring statements. And he said, it was like somebody shot him with a medication Mm -hmm. and immediately stopped shaking. He relaxed. And he said, it was like, it literally was like someone gave me a pill or an an injection of something. And so I compare those two experiences and the value Mm -hmm. that, um, any healthcare provider can have an understanding the magnitude of that interaction, and totally. nothing to do with what they were doing, like if it was surgery or if it was dermatology. Right. Um, but those experiences, students need to understand the foundation that that is part of whole person care mm-hmm. and patient care, mm-hmm. and so that's one of the things that we've been trying to teach our students. Now we've it's become so successful students have grasped that information so well we're starting to incorporate it in all of their curriculum not mm-hmm. just in acute care
2: mm-hmm. And
3: so then the big kicker will be, do they use it when they get out into the field? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that full circle moment with research. Yeah. When you say, okay, they learn the concepts, they value the concepts, which the research clearly showed. Mm-hmm. Now, do they actually implement it when they're away from campus on mm-hmm. their clinical education? And yeah. so we have the data from two cohorts for that, and mm-hmm. we haven't put oh, that wow. together yet. So that will be my next um, project that I'm working on. But in yeah, a, and,
0: and, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I I, <laughs> I just say, and I just think this is so such important work that is yeah. doing with yeah. her, with in, in the physical therapy program, and, totally. and I and I hope that this will continue across all, yeah. you know, healthcare institutions, uh, you know, in education because mm-hmm. there are multitude of of observational studies right now in in the biomedical literature mm-hmm. uh, that report an association of compassionate. Mm-hmm. patient-centered care mm-hmm. and what's phenomenal is favorable clinical uh outcomes for patients mm-hmm. and if i could recommend one resource for mm-hmm. for yeah. your listeners Please. it's a it's a book called compassionomics mm-hmm. uh and that is by uh two authors Steven Trechiak and Anthony mazzarelli they're two mm-hmm. physicians uh, mm-hmm. from the east coast mm-hmm. um, and the book is called Compassionomics: The Revolutionary Scientific Evidence That Caring Makes a Difference. Mm. Wow! And what they're showing is the science behind this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Gina t- shares a story about her father's experience, mm-hmm. but showing the science and the and the health outcomes, right? Um, and that it, it, yeah. it actually makes economic sense, right? To Absolutely. show compassion, right? Right.
3: Well, Better. if you look even at the age cap scores for hospitals yeah. right. and reimbursement rate, patient yeah. experience is part of that yes. rating and they're, yes. uh, what they get back from Medicare. And yep. so um, that's a huge, if you're just looking at it at a financial perspective, mm-hmm. um, right. but as a human perspective, right. um, we think, what are all those different components? And so that's it's not an easy thing to teach. Some people right. naturally have those gifts. Right. Yeah. Other students and other healthcare providers don't, but the fact we value what we talk about, right? So if mm-hmm. we don't talk about it, we just assume that students will learn that over mm-hmm. time. they will just figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is so important um, for us to say, this is such a strong value yes. where it's going to be woven through the entire curriculum. This is right. just like a haphazard thing. And Jeff's right. Um, adherence to exercise program is better. Mm-hmm. Patient outcomes are better. Right. Um, there's a shorter length of stay. Right. People have sure. more positive experience. And then the other part to that is that Um, and this is what's what's interesting for the research, we allowed students to do, we did qualitative and quantitative research, Uh so we had an open-ended question. So we asked them about their experience Mm -hmm. about Therapeutic Alliance and what they thought. Mm -hmm. Um, We expected students to say, oh, I don't have time for that, or I I don't know if I can fit that into my patient care. That was never mentioned. Mm. Um, You'll hear that from other healthcare providers who are already out in the field. But what's interesting (laughs) is that (laughs) Um, it's actually a protective benefit for burnout because it reminds yes. you why you, got you why you're calling, yes. not just, this isn't my, just my profession, but right. this is my calling for who I am. Exactly. And, and yeah. when you feel that calling right. and that you're making a difference yep. and that you connect with your patients, um, it actually protects against burnout.
2: Totally. Makes so much sense. It'd be really interesting to see if you guys can go take this and teach courses for people not just graduating because that's the people that probably Mm -hmm. need that reminder and could use this training and you know, the new ones coming out like they're a clean slate, but how about the people that are currently burnt out maybe due to COVID or true the many years they've been working and then have them refreshed with this information and this perspective. And I think that will be a huge component, but this is amazing work that you guys are looking into and it's, such an honor to have you guys here. To talk about it because it's so important to have, you know, us all remind ourselves and each other of why we wanted to help people, whether it is as a healthcare professional or in ministry or as a teacher, you know, yeah. it really can be applied. Just basic human
3: nature. <laughs> it's true. And and after we introduced that concept yeah. of therapeutic alliance early on in the curriculum because mm-hmm. now we just we decided, hey, as soon as they're done with anatomy right. in that second quarter, that's yeah. when we start talking about right. it rather than waiting. Um during that time, Jeff and I started talking about the fact um, students had actually in the PT program had death and dying class, which right. is important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You yeah. had yeah. 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 right. that alley, um, which I think is important to understand. Yes. But did they need a whole entire course on death and dying? Yeah. And so we talked to administration about that. And over time, mm-hmm. um, they allowed us to, to try something different yeah. and have a whole person care class. So I'm going to let Jeff mm. maybe describe a little bit about what that's yeah. like.
0: Yeah. The the whole person care um, is a term that is uh, you're probably starting to hear more and more right. in healthcare yes. today. The state of California yep. talks about whole person care, but a lot of there's a lot of different ways of understanding it. Correct. Uh, the way I teach it, and the way we we understand it at Longmeadow University, is is through a, a, through what we call the bio psycho, social, spiritual mm-hmm. model. Hmm. In hmm. other words, if you can think of a, of a human as made up of all these the, these elements of right. the, the the bio, the psycho, the social, yeah. but also the spiritual. Right. We're spiritual beings. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so we uh, offer courses across all our schools. We offer what we call whole person care, hmm. and helping our students understand what it means to treat their patients within the these 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 different uh, view ways of seeing hmm. what it means to be, be a human being. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so we take we take all of those uh, into consideration. Um, you know, one of the ways that I like to think about it is that that whole is is what does it mean to be whole? What right. does it mean to be a whole be person? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a it's not about perfection. Mm-hmm. It's about a lifelong h- journey through life, mm-hmm. um, and it's about harmony. Right? It's mm-hmm. about uh, the kind of this um, the harmon- harmonious development mm-hmm. of the physical, the intellectual, the emotional, mm-hmm. the relational, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, uh, cultural and the spiritual mentions of what it means to be a human being. So uh, we teach our students how to see their patients from this perspective mm-hmm. and with an emphasis on the spiritual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a lot of research that shows that the spiritual religious, um, components of a person's life makes a difference in their health totally and um, I, I don't it. know how much time we have to get into all of yeah. the get you know we can really go deep into this right. but there's a significant amount of research that exists to show that this that it's significant in people and people want their physicians and their healthcare providers to know about this right and to even uh, to ask them about these mm-hmm. things um, and it, it's it, uh, it doesn't happen very often mm-hmm. and so what we are trying to do is is to teach this to our students at Loma Linda and help them yeah. understand the importance of this but it hadn't been it wasn't it wasn't being done for mm-hmm. Are physical therapy students hmm. and uh, you know you took a class you took mm-hmm. some religion classes yes. I don't know if you remember yep uh, but you hadn't taken a whole-person care class no. so I have been trying to make the case for years you know that, that when I teaching and teaching and all these teaching dentists and, and physician future physicians and right and, that physical therapists, spend a significant amount of time oh, yeah. with their patients. I mean, mm-hmm. if you, if you line them up, they are probably spending right. some of the most of anyone in healthcare, they probably spend the most amount of time with a patient. One-on-one And these, these are, mm-hmm. these are incredible opportunities to, uh, provide compassionate
2: right. person-centered
0: care. Right. And what we're arguing is that the spiritual matters mm-hmm. in all of that. Right. And how do you understand your patient's spirituality and their mm-hmm. religious background? And mm-hmm. how does that come to play in their, mm-hmm. in their own healing? Right. So, so yeah, we teach this course about that and we cover all kinds of different aspects of it. And, and so what Gina and I were wanting to do is to actually do some research to see does teaching students, this make a difference mm-hmm. in, 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 in how they, their own view of themselves as healthcare providers and how right. they treat their patients. Yeah. And, uh, so that's what we did. You want to kind of maybe explain a little how, it how we yeah, did So our- we,
3: again, this was a mixed method study. Yeah. So it was okay. quantitative and qualitative data. Mm-hmm. And we did ask again, open-ended questions to see what themes came out. Like what, what were the themes that came out of the research mm-hmm. and students saw change in themselves, change in their future patient care. Yeah. Um, but they also saw some other major themes. Um, that I, we won't go into cause it'll, it'll take too long to talk about, but, um, what they obviously realized the value of it, right. Um, but they profoundly realized the value in themselves and understanding themselves. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason for that was because Jeff had them do um, a spiritual retreat mm-hmm. where they go away and, and turn off their phones, mm-hmm. turn off their computers for a certain mm-hmm. amount of time and to reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also, I believe what you call an illness narrative.
0: Yes, one of the major assignments in the class is mm-hmm. to write what we call a personal illness narrative. So you mm. write, you you describe an illness. It could be, it could be your own, or mm-hmm. it could be a family member, say mm-hmm. uh, your mother, your father, or a, a grand, or your grandparents, mm-hmm. uh, and to write about their experience in 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 the in in the third person. Yeah. And uh, and so it's an extraordinary experience hmm. for students to, yeah, to, 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 to write this up. And they shared very profound mm-hmm. things. And it's really an opportunity for them to kind of kind of understand what does it mean to empathize with another Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. uh, and to try to understand what it feels like to go through this illness that they may have experienced. Right. Um, And so there's students that write profound things about their grandparents going through Alzheimer's or Mm. a a mother dealing with breast cancer, um, a father dealing with a heart attack. You know, there's, there's extraordinary stories and personal things uh, that students share. So that's one of the very first Mm. uh, assignments that we do in the class the spiritual, the spiritual retreat's at the end of the class, and the spiritual retreat comes out of There's a very famous uh, physician by the name of John Balin, legendary physician named John Balin, who taught for many years at in the Al- Albany Medical College in mm-hmm. New York State. And years ago, he uh, was quoted as saying to his students, we are the medicine. Mm and when i, I like when i came across that it really struck me and i try to teach that to my students to help them understand yeah. that but they that they just as they may be very skilled in their abilities to in their in the modalities that they use with their patients mm-hmm. but they're also bringing themselves into that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i want them to to remember that that in order to, to really offer Com, uh, exceptional, compassionate, patient-centered care, they have to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And they have to understand themselves. They have to know, you know, Aristotle, mm-hmm. right? Socrates, know thyself, that ancient mm-hmm. dictum. Yeah. To know yourself and yeah. to be mindful right. of what's going on in your life, taking care of your own soul, taking right. care of your own life, being whole yourself yeah. in order to give more to your patients.
2: Right. Um,
0: and so that's where that spirit, the, we, so there's a lot of these kind of experiences throughout the course where they do these deep dives into knowing themselves more mm-hmm. and understanding, you know, understanding their own level of empathy, mm-hmm. right? And the only way through that is through practicing, you know, mindfulness and spiritual practices, right. and that's what the retreat was is for. Yeah. So.
3: And I will just as an antidote to give you an example of yeah. this. Um, here he's talking about how understanding yourself and then the addition part is focusing on someone else mm-hmm. after you know yourself mm-hmm. now I put myself aside and I can just focus on someone right. else's right. story yep. and so we have students who come into our simulation lab that are in panic mode right because this is set up like yeah. a hospital mm-hmm. there's beeping going on like you know, heart rate monitors. <laughs> yeah the OT sat monitors yeah. going off there's IVs there's catheters and this yeah. is a simulated patient this is a real physical therapist pretending to be a patient in the bed <laughs> and we have about eight people From the class, students watching and and supporting, cheering on the student who's actually doing the interaction with the patient. And I had a student this past year who just is panicked. You can see it in his body language. He's kind of shaky. His voice is all over the place. He's not Mm. sure where he's headed. And so I stopped the interaction and I said, "Let's just stop for a minute and think about who is laying in the bed." And I said, why don't you just pull up a chair and sit down and talk and figure out who who this person is. And so then I stepped back and he continued his interaction. And when he was done, his peers, it wasn't just me. I mean, I was thinking the same thing, but I wanted peers to give him feedback. And they said, you are like a different person. It was oh. like something happened to you and you yeah. changed into a complete different mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Um, and the minute he focused, stopped focusing on himself mm-hmm. and getting all the things he needed, yeah. and oh, I got to check this off my list, he was able to relax, focus on the patient. The patient felt that. And it turned around 180 degrees. Um, and so this concept of understanding yourself and saying, okay, now I know who I am, but I also know that I can now set that aside and focus on another human being and their human story is profound.
0: You know, one of the things that I, I have my students do in this, in this course is, uh, uh, the it's called the empathy quotient mm-hmm. find out the, their their EQ score mm-hmm. the empathy quotient was uh, developed by Simon Baron-Cohen you may have, that name may sound yeah, familiar to yes. too it's he's a cousin of Sasha Baron Cohen oh, the right, actor right oh right right the i was Borat thinking of the uh, legendary Borat. right yeah <laughs> But, boy, is that you know, true? This, I didn't want to yeah, say it, oh, yeah, but yeah, you said it. Who would have thought? Who, who would have thought? Great success! But no. But Simon Baron-Cohen is a neuroscientist. He's a oh. cousin, uh, and, and they're both both the family's brilliant. Right. And, and so he he studies autism, and he's with hmm. the Autism Research Center in University of Cambridge. And he huh. developed this tool called hmm. the Empathy Quotient. To, and you can just Google it. You can find yeah. the Empathy Quotient. You can do it. You yeah. take it. Take it and find out. But uh, it was used to study to to, to to the level of aut- a person's autistic level, mm-hmm. and but it's also in, in general population it's helpful too. Mm-hmm. And so you go through these questions, it's all self, you know, report, and um, you can you're given a score. And you know if you if you score, let's say, I think you can just score up to eighty is the highest, and you know and down to zero. And you know anything below thirty is kind of getting into an autistic range. Mm. And uh, so I have my students do this, and some of them are come in thinking they're quite em- empathic, mm-hmm. and they get very low scores, and it's quite <laughs> disturbing. Alarming. And they get very <laughs> angry. They get very angry at Simon Baron Cohen and his EQ, and this is not nice, accurate. I, you know, they, it's so funny to, to hear their responses. But I use it, That's whether it's accurate or not, I use it an opportunity for them to yeah. think about their own level of empathy, totally. and I then try to show them that what we know from neuroscience and yeah. it today, and, neuro- and it, that the, that we can we can grow, our brains yes. can adapt, we can change. Yes. We grow and mature and uh, no matter how old we are and we can become all of us can become more empathic yeah right and we need and to exactly right. and um, whether you're in healthcare doesn't necessarily mean you're empathic. It really does. <laughs> not <it, right? laughs> and, and sometimes <laughs> really the lowest, and 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 We're sometimes for the money. yeah, you you know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> so I use that opportunity for them to kind of really expand on on this concept that they yeah. can grow in their level of empathy, right? And 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 and, and, and as a result, in their compa- compassion for their patients. Yeah. Um. I love it. Yeah. It's, 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 a fun, it's a fun assignment, and, and, and I love to always see the students' reactions to it. Definitely. An analogy that I use with my, all of them, almost in every class, I begin every religion course I teach at Loma Linda like this. I, I use an analogy. I, I show a, a fire hydrant
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. uh, full open.
2: Yes.
0: Blo- the water, you know, and I say, mm-hmm. This is you right now. You're yeah. taking in all of this massive information. Yes and you don't, and, and then I showed them a photo of a, of a dog trying to drink out of a, a hose on full, and, and the water's going into yeah. his face and all over the place. It's a hilarious photo. And I say, this is you, and they all get <laughs> it. This is, I say, this is, so yeah. this, let's imagine that yeah. this water you're taking is a kind of knowledge you're getting yeah. right now, but we're going to shift gears in this yeah. class, and we're trying to gain a different kind of knowledge yeah. different kind of wisdom and I show him a picture of a beautiful brook creek yeah. flowing with a deer drinking out of the water and I said this is what we're going for in these right. classes that we're going to try to pause once a week yeah and just catch our breath yep. and to be mindful and to be present yeah. and to think about what we're doing from a different perspective mm-hmm. and I think that's helped set I have found that it helps set the tone mm-hmm. for a different way of Learning, right, and, and and that's just as important in in their education and right. healthcare as it is, it know, is the other Definitely. kind of knowledge.
2: It absolutely. Well, is. and
1: from my perspective, being the director of nursing at home, you know, at a home health agency, I talk to a lot of patients all the way through their episodes of care with our clinicians because I'm not seeing a lot of them anymore. And so I talk to them at the front end, at the back end, and They just the thing that they love the most about our clinicians and nurses is that when when they take our, our caregivers are very empathetic and they tend to, you know, take time to get to know the person and feel like make that person feel like they're really important and our patients really rave about us. And I think it's because of that, you know, the empathy component and the, you know, that concept that you're talking about. And it's such a big deal that I think that that is so, so oh important. I just well, can't overstate even, that.
3: There's a, the new term now is not even patient centered, but person centered mm-hmm. care. So now you're not just yeah. thinking about them as a patient, mm-hmm. um, I think about the amazing patients that I've met through the years that I would not have known their stories. I met... A lady who was an ice dancer in Hollywood and Elvis knew Elvis Presley was on his show and he invited her to his party and she's telling me this and I'm in the hospital and I think about another patient who had a tattoo on his arm of numbers and I asked him what it was and he was in a concentration camp in Dachau and shared that experience with me and then another patient I had who witnessed the bomb in Hiroshima Mm -hmm. and had I not taken the time to hear their stories you just don't have that historical perspective and it gives such a richness to what we do Definitely. and meaning to what we do. So it really is a privilege to teach students um, and we have lots more work to do. We wrote up this whole person care um, article and it's been submitted to the Journal of Allied Health. And so we don't know if that will be published or not, but I we're working sure on that. We jinx
0: ourselves. Buddy. Yeah,
3: I shouldn't say that maybe. <laughs> so,
2: so exciting. We'll keep an eye out for that and you guys can let us know and we can share it too. And maybe we can share your guys' emails if our listeners have questions or, you know, want to reach out in regards to your research. I think that, um, both of these two have been teaching me things for a long time in life. (laughs) I've known them for 10 years, but, um, Paige, you always comment on how I find people's stories. Yeah. And you know, I was fresh out of PTA school 10, 11 years ago and I immediately started working with Gina and I, thinking here, sitting here, like, I wonder if this is why I always get people's stories because Gina would always come down at break and at lunch, like my patient, I have to tell you my patient's story. And it's like, then it became a thing and mm-hmm. everyone wanted to tell their yeah. patient stories. And that's why I'm still to this day, like, well, how did they get hurt? What did they do for work? What's their family like? Yeah. All this stuff. Uh-huh. And so, totally. you know, I think you've been teaching this much longer than you've realized. Um, and both of you are living examples of treating people holistically and being empathetic. So well, you're generous. You, Gene, you know, I
0: have to say <laughs> that Jean has been teaching me too for, for a long time. I, I have been, for many years, I was... Often envious of her yeah. her stories that she would yeah. share with me. Yeah. Uh, as a pastor who works with people all the right. time, I felt yeah. like she had way more amazing stories of, yeah. of offering care and, right. and caring for people than I yeah. ever did. Yeah. And um, so I was always inspired by her stories, and, and mm-hmm. I always and it was always remind showed me that really healthcare is where so many incredible opportunities happen for caring and, mm-hmm. and for, for my context, for ministry, you mm-hmm. know, for, for really loving people.
2: Yeah. I love that you guys are doing this together, though, because it's such a crossroads of both of your guys' expertise and, you know, being parents and um, being married and stuff. So I'm excited. This is huge stuff, you guys. I, I just, I know I've already said thank you, but thank you for being here and sharing this Our pleasure. Um, yeah. information and really gonna be a big thing in the future you know like you said the state's talking about it everything's going towards whole person care and you guys are definitely ahead of the curve so
0: oh this podcast is gonna be a huge in the future too so. you know
2: yeah. hopefully so you're, stay you're, tuned you doing your
0: part you heard it here <laughs>
2: first <laughs> well thank you guys so much um and we will definitely it's okay if you guys your contact emails and your links to your already published articles and hopefully more to come. Yes so thanks.
3: Thank you guys both thanks for having us yeah. thank you. No oh.
1: I'm no I'm saying like, <laughs> Well, and Chris, you can edit <laughs> Major, this. How- are you diagnosing? <laughs> no, like, no, like, do you say to the students, you know, like.